Hi, I'm Louisa Boa-Taylor, and this is Future Food, where food trends and new technologies converge. There is a systemic change occurring in our food system. In this podcast, we speak to entrepreneurs, investors, chefs, farmers, and others defining that future. So in this episode, I'm chatting to two of my colleagues on the investment side of AgFunders business, Yaniv Darone and Quinton Egink. Both of them are based in San Francisco. So it's about 1 p.m. in San Francisco. Have you guys had lunch yet? I've had breakfast. What did you have? Um, I had a grilled cheese with avocado, some almonds, and a banana. Um, Yaniv, what did you have? Yeah, so I haven't had lunch yet. I only had breakfast this morning. And I, I'm not particularly proud of it, but all I had is just a few almonds and some keto chocolate to tell you everything. <laughs> was, that an, <laughs> was that enough? Do you feel satiated or are you starving? No. I'm kind of hungry right now, so I'll eat some more after the podcast. So how would you describe your food preferences? So when it comes to my food preferences, mostly plant-based and, as I mentioned, keto right now. Um, so, yeah, kind of a combination of the two. And Quentin? Uh, definitely not plant-based. Um, what I really like is casseroles. Um, my roommate makes a really good moussaka, which is really good. Then salmon in the oven. Yeah, that's pretty meaty. I'd pretty say. meaty. So, are casseroles? Are they? Is that a Dutch speciality? It sounds a bit English to me. A casserole. No, it's not. Definitely not Dutch. I, I, I just when I, came to the US, I, when I came to the US, I thought a casserole was just anything that you would put in like a baking tray and turn it into dinner. I thought that was a casserole. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking of like a stew. <laughs> I have no idea now. I thought I thought that was a casserole. I thought like lasagna was also a casserole. Oh, okay. Well, we're very confused. Geneve, do you do you know what a casserole is? So I know it's a French word, and I'm I'm more with you. I think it's more like a stew, but I'm not a foodie, so I wouldn't really know. <laughs> okay, good. So one thing we've learned is that none of us really know what a casserole is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so how did you both come to work at Agfunder and in this industry? Were you both specifically looking for food in uh, for food? for a job in food tech and ag tech, or were you more looking generally at venture capital? I was at IndieBio before I came to uh, AgFunder, and uh, Ag Fund, uh, IndieBio was my first experience with venture capital and also with uh, biotech. And while I was there, I learned a lot, also learned about uh, Cell Ag because they did Memphis Meats, um, about fermentation with Geltor and Clara Foods that they had. Um, and at that point, when my internship was over there, I really wanted to stay in venture capital and uh, even more so wanted to stay in kind of a biotech atmosphere because I really buy into this thing that we're at the front of this major breakthrough in biology where suddenly through CRISPR and other developments, we can suddenly do a lot more than we were able to in the past. So I definitely was very excited when I saw the job opportunity at AgFunder because it was obviously VC and also still had some of that biology aspect that I had at IndieBio. Great, Yaniv. So my background is a little different. I come from an academic setting and I was really researching multiple aspects of plant biology. Um, especially when it comes to how plants sense the environment, how do they sense stress, under what conditions do they germinate. And so I, I was always very interested in how we can apply all these different applications to the real world and realized that business was the best vehicle to do that. And something else was that I feel like what was really lacking in academia and plant biology is that there aren't as many people who are getting into, in, into entrepreneurship, into venture capital, so I was really thinking about multiple options at that time. 
which was either starting my own startup, getting into a consulting firm or venture capital. So as we know, venture capital is always a little harder to get into. So I was focusing more on either starting um, my own startup or consulting. And, you know, I transitioned my education towards it, took classes at the business school. I, I participated in different programs and one thing led to the next and got into ArcFunder. Fantastic. Well, we're very lucky to have you both. So since you've been with us, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in food tech and ag tech that excite you the most? For me, one of the most exciting things is ag robotics. I think um, there's just such a labor shortage right now, both within indoor ag and outdoor ag, that I feel like if um, we could let robots do that, it would solve major problems. Uh, also, it's just very futuristic. I remember starting at Bagfunder um, and we talked about agrobotics and we thought, okay, this is definitely maybe we have not seen a team yet that is going to be able to do this. And then as the months went by, we actually came across a couple of things that we invested in because we did believe that they could do it. So um, to see that that happened so quickly, hopefully, of course, in the next couple of years, but uh, that was really exciting for me. And I really look forward to see what they're going to be able to do. As a follow up to that, Quinton, you know, what was different about those startups that we did decide to invest in from those that you saw earlier on that you didn't think were viable? Pedigree within the team. So these teams that we invested in just had... Um, they had founded robotics companies before, or they had been uh, professors of CompSci for the last 20 years and been looking at AI and the uh, robotics around it. Um, yeah, I think really the quality and the experiences of the teams, what they had done before, and then the vision that they had, uh, good go-to-market strategy, because the problem with robotics is you can't like tackle too hard of a problem at first because you won't be able to do it, but you do want to like make the problem hard enough that nobody else will be able to do it. So both those teams had a very good initial strategy where they're like, okay, look, we can solve this problem. And then from that, we can solve the next and the next and the next. But with the first problem that they would be able to solve, they could immediately get to revenue within a year or two. So um, yeah, I think strategy and definitely just pedigree of the team on what they had done before is definitely very important. Yini, which food trends are you most excited about? Yes. So anybody who met me or is talking to me or has been talking to me over the last few weeks and months knows that. For me, it's all about plant-based and uncultured meat and cellular agriculture. Uh, so this is really a trend that I'm extremely excited about. And I would also say that, as I mentioned in the beginning, I, you know, my diet is mostly plant-based. I've been more of an observer of the space since I was a teenager because I stopped eating meat at that time. And I don't think that I imagined that one day I would see a moment where, where people are getting so excited about alternative types of meat and, and animal products. So this is definitely a development that, that's been quite spectacular and very, very interesting to watch. Um, and so, for example, you know, meat companies have gotten into the space. Every other fast food company is getting into it. Every, every, pretty much everybody's getting into it. So that's a, a space that's been moving very, very fast over the last year. And I've been very excited about, and especially now as we are launching our um, you can't even find an funder. This is really an area that I really like to focus on. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges to investing in food tech and ag tech? For me, one of the major challenges is around timing. You know, as somebody who's coming from academia, where basically timing doesn't matter as much when we cite papers and when we, you know, we do research, time doesn't really matter. You know, a, a paper that we're citing can be from 10 years ago. The projects I'm working on could have been done 10 years ago, could be done in 10 years from now. And I think that really what I had to shift was the mindset around timing and really staying up to date on what's happening. 
And so it's not something that, that I'm not enjoying. I think, you know, part of me is a big news junkie and I love really staying up to date on everything that's happening. But I think that really thinking a lot about is this the right time is something that, that has been quite a challenge, especially for me as I'm transitioning from academia. And I think the other part that I find more, it's more personal, I would say, is the fact that I, I wish I could see more biotech happening. So I, you know, a lot of the investments in the ag tech food tech space, um, especially ag tech have been around, you know, machine learning, AI, robotics, et cetera. And I would love to see more biotech. And so far, I think the challenge has been to find companies that are really innovating on, on that side. And this is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, we don't see as many people coming from plant biology and starting their own startups. And even though we have all this amazing research coming from, you know, different universities around the world, whether it's, you know, Berkeley, Stanford, Davis, Cornell have amazing plant biology departments and so many great applications can come, come out of there. And there's really this disconnect and something that's lacking. And so I think it also has to do with the fact that I would say that, you know, maybe the way people view ag tech and food tech is a little bit, you know, they're looking at it either with some skepticism, sometimes with snobbery or disdain. And, you know, when you tell somebody that, you know, you're, you're, you're in a startup that's, that's in the cancer space or in neurodegenerative disease, everybody thinks of you as a hero when, when it's, uh, let's say, a startup in machine learning, AI, software, everybody thinks you're super cool. But when you talk about, you know, agriculture, you know, people look at you and they basically think it's just something that's cute. So I think that there is, the challenge has been that people have not taken it as seriously. And maybe this will change dramatically as we see more and more exits, which we expect to see, obviously, um, as, you know, investors in the space. Um, and I think this is something that's going to change, but right now it's still, I've seen it as a, as a major challenge. Yeah, to follow on on what Yaniv is saying, I think um, that will definitely change as more capital uh, comes into ag tech and, and food tech. I think, uh, for example, food tech, the Beyond IPO has already done a major thing for the space and ag tech has already, investment has been up like, what, 5x since 2012 already. So I think as the space uh, becomes hotter, I think also people will be more inclined to move towards it. Challenges in the space, I think also one of the difficulties in ag tech is that farmers aren't the fastest adapters. So I think a lot of startups come with ideas being like, okay, farmers can increase their yield by 5% or um, they can decrease their nitrogen usage by 10%. And uh, if this requires an entire new process and way of doing business for the farmer, they're not going to be interested. So uh, you really need to come with groundbreaking innovations before a farm farmer will be comfortable applying this new technology towards their uh, daily routine, I think. Okay, great. So we're going to move to a lightning round now, where I'm going to either ask you to say hot or not to some certain food trends, or to choose between two different food trends. So you can both try and shout out at the same time. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So starting off, CBD, hot or not? Not. Hot. <laughs> Um, plant-based or cultivated meat? Plant-based. Cultivated meat. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Yaniv, did you go for cultivated? Um, I think this is really a, a super exciting space. And I think as a scientist, I really, really enjoy all the innovations that are happening. And I think that also it has a lot of, you know, as investors, it has a strong defensibility and the market opportunity is huge. I think this is exactly the product that, that people want. And so, yes, there are ma major challenges, 
with the space, but you know, this is you know the the risk is big, but um, the potential outcome is is phenomenal. And Quentin, why plant based? Um, because I have a lot of skepticism around um, cultivated meat. I mean, I think the final product would be better in cultivated meat. I think um, it'd be great if we could just have meat just as it is. Um, I just think I and I've been hot and not hot and not on this topic for a long time. When I was at Indie Bio and I learned about Memphis Meats, I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing that I've ever heard about. This is totally going to change the world. And then you talk to other people who say this is completely impossible and they'll never get the media cost down to be able to do this. And then other people believe that they're going to be able to go to market in two years. I'm not a biologist myself, so I find it hard to have a very definitive judgment on whether it's going to happen or not. But I have seen a lot of people cast serious doubt about, upon if it's ever going to scale. Um, so then I think it's a safer bet to go for plant-based. And also what I dislike about cultivated is the fact that uh, the carbon footprint is not as low as they plan to be. And I think plant-based will be um, environmentally better, or at least for climate change. Insect ice cream, hot or not? Not. Not. Moringa or spirulina? I don't know what either of those are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Brilliant. Meal kits, hot or not? Hot. Hot and not. Why both? So I think it has obviously a lot of potential, but I think that there are so many challenges right now around milk kits, you know, around waste, whether it's plastic waste. Some people, in some cases, people even complain about food waste, you know, those things, you know, people don't necessarily cook them immediately and a lot of it ends up in the trash. Um, and I'm talking from experience. And the other aspect is that I feel like they also have to, to solve the idea that People, I think, like to cook less and less. And so those milk kits, in some cases, are too complicated, I think, for consumers. So I think there's a lot of potential and there are a lot of things that need to be solved, again, especially when it comes to waste. But yeah, potentially exciting. Robotic cafes? Not. Depends where you are. Here, not, yeah. Why is that? Because you want to have that service element when you buy a coffee? Yeah, it's fun to interact with the baristas and the bartenders. We already sit behind our screen enough, right? So if you if you have to get coffee from a robot as well, I think that doesn't add anything. It's quite sad. <laughs> yes. I think in a country like the United States, it's a lot about service. Uh, in other places, you know, in France, I wouldn't mind having robots inside. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, who is your favorite team member at AgFunder? Luisa, definitely. She is the amount of stuff that she has done for the space. And every time we talk to somebody in ag tech or food tech, they always uh, tell us how much they love her and um, how much they enjoy her articles and her expertise around the investment space. Really most valuable team member by far. You're reading the script very well, Quinton. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, so with a gun to my head. Yeah. <laughs> So for those that are listening, I'm going to say that Luisa just pointed at herself. So we had to answer Luisa. So I will answer this. <laughs> and we'll also say that Rob has is, is defined you as the soul of Outfinder. And I agree. I think that, you know, a lot of things have revolved around what you've been able to achieve. So, Well, thank you, you guys. Go. That was a joke question, but I'm definitely not going to edit yeah. it out. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, is there anything that really surprised you in 2019? So I, I, I mentioned this already, but I think, uh, you know, I, again, you guys will get sick of hearing me talk about plant-based and cellular agriculture all the time, but I think 2018 has been phenomenal when it comes to this space. You know, you, we saw the IPO of Beyond, we saw a lot of, you know, 
people craving those products and we saw meat companies getting into the space. So I think this is something that that actually shocked me. Are there any companies that you wish that we'd invested in? And it could be before your time at AgFunder um, or before we were even investing, but any companies that you really think are awesome? So it's not going to come as a surprise to you, impossible <laughs> beyond. <laughs> I wish uh, we could have invested in Pivot. Um, I heard that they are able to or might be able to in the future to completely substitute um, nitrogen uh, through a seed coating. And that seems very, very exciting to me. I've seen a lot of other nitrogen fixing bacteria companies, but if they are actually able to do that, it would be groundbreaking. Um, and then if we have to do cell egg, I think I would have liked to have invested in Memphis Meats in the seed. That would have. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Rob also said Pivot Bio. So you guys are aligned on that. Hey. So... Just to finish off, what advice would you give to companies that are looking for funding and potentially applying to AgFunder for it? Map out every possible scenario that your company could go through so that you have an answer ready for whatever a venture capitalist might ask. A lot of the times is uh, when we're interviewing companies, that's what we're most impressed with. If we ask a question and they have thought that scenario through elaborately and they are able to give us a question that is an answer that is to the point uh, direct and sometimes even more than, than we've asked for. And then sometimes we ask a question and they're like, oh yeah, we've not actually looked into that or we don't know. It shows that they've, we feel that you really need to know everything about your own company before we could even start to feel comfortable with your company. Yes, I agree with that. And I will add a few more things. First of all, when it comes to a startup that has a, a strong scientific or technology technological component, we really want the CEOs, even though they're not the tech people, to really you know know the topic and you know be able to to talk about it and and answer questions. And in a lot of cases, we are CEOs say, oh well, let's just schedule a call with the CTO or CSO. And so this for us is a red flag. The other part, even before we get to the call, that my, my big recommendation would be around focusing a little bit more time on slide decks. You'll actually be surprised at the kind of slide decks we see sometimes. In some cases, we don't even see a slide deck when you know when we ask for it. Um, so I think there are you know a lot of amazing resources on on how to pitch, how to prepare your slide deck. So we really recommend focusing a lot on this. Brilliant. Thank you guys so much. Well, very much looking forward to 2020 and working with you. So um, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thanks, Louisa. Thank you. You've been listening to Future Food with me, Louisa Burwood-Taylor. For news and insights on the food tech and ag tech industries, go to agfundernews.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.